0: So if you follow the show for a long time, you remember comedian, Liz Mealy, one of the most popular episodes we've actually ever had, and she's back. She's got a new comedy special, The Ghost of Academic Future, and the full special is available for free on YouTube. And lots of great comedians are doing this now. Some of my favorites like Fahim Anwar, Mark Norman, who have had both on the show, also Sam Morrill. Uh, They did the same thing where they uploaded their special to YouTube for free. It's kind of the new trend where comics take charge, and Liz has certainly done that and built up a great career and we're, we're going to discuss a lot of different topics. It's a fun interview. And as always, it's through Zoom, which can sometimes cause technical difficulties. So just bear with us with that until we have that dream studio. But uh, Liz Mealy, coming up right now. Okay, How are you? I'm great. Well, welcome back. Uh, it's been a while, a couple of years. Uh, I listened to our old episodes like that. It was only like the 20th episode I did. It was so cringe. I mean, not because of you, but just because of me. So I thought, all right, let's, let's do a second one. Let's make this better. It'll be slightly less cringe from my part. So
1: I'm happy to help you love yourself again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, congrats on the special. It's getting a great response. We watched it last night. It's called, uh, the ghost of academic future. Yeah. Yeah. So tell tell us about, tell my audience about it. It's only, it's less than an hour. It's free on YouTube.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that about 70% of it was written during the pandemic, which is kind of crazy. I like worked on it via zoom shows and park shows and rooftop shows. And when the world opened up again, I was like, Oh, these aren't good. And I had to make them better. Um, so it was very much a longer, weirdly, a longer process of Fixing them, but it's also, I think, um, one of the more relatable ones because everybody went through the same thing. I feel like everybody went through a pandemic breakup or at least hating their partner during the pandemic because they were locked in with them and uh, everybody was kind of scared and worried about money and worried about being sick. So, you know, the whole thing isn't pandemic related, but I think the pandemic sparked a lot of thoughts. Like the fact that, you know, I have a joke about not. Drinking, and it just became very obvious that I had to handle the pandemic differently because I don't drink or do drugs, and how weirdly it always feels a little unfair that I don't do those things on a normal time. But that's like you go out with friends and everybody's drinking and you're not drinking. But then when everybody's like, oh, well, I just, you know, the line for the liquor store every time I went to the grocery store was so long, and it was just so obvious I was the only person in my neighborhood not drinking. And that's where like and that's where like a lot of my jokes sparked from was like this, like we're all in this together, but also I feel like I'm missing out somehow.
0: Yeah. So what do you do? Because I think you mentioned that last time you don't drink. It's not because a religious thing or anything. It's just like you had a gluten allergy and you're like, all right, well, I just I'm going to cut out booze. So what do you do instead to kind of like relax? Do you meditate or?
1: I don't relax. Where did you even come up with that idea? That was that was such a awful assumption you made. Um uh I don't drink I'm allergic to yeast, so yeah, it's yeah, even worse than uh gluten. Oh, um is and, that a different and I think thing? I I don't I don't know. I thought Yeah, was, so I'm allergic to yeast and I actually think I might have a gluten intolerance. Regardless, drinking just isn't fun yeah. for multiple reasons now. Um what about so, edibles? Do you try the weed edibles? Is that, can you do I have a new joke about how they're the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I just have like major panic attacks. Well, and I, as a kid, like when I was a teenager, it smoking weed, it made me think I was chill. Like I didn't realize I was like self-medicating my anxiety, but, um, as I've gotten older, 70 to 90% of the time I smoke weed, I have a panic attack. So that's also I've just I'm not fun. Like I'm just not. <laughs> so you you kind of just accept it at some point. Like some people like just know they're not fun, and some people eventually become <laughs> unfun. I've just I I had to discover it on my You're own. You're a
0: comedian. It, How can you not be fun?
1: I'm funny. I can take sadness and make it funny, but I'm not a good hang. Like I just don't, you know what I mean? And I'm not yeah. If you want to play board games, if you want to go rock climbing, if you want to complain, I'm the best. (laughs) Okay. I'm great with activities and I'm great with bitching. But if you want to just like chill on the beach, I'm so unfun to chill on the beach with. I don't like sand. I'm worried about sharks. I'm burning. Like I'm just, there's typical fun activities. I'm not fun in. So I don't. I would say the best way I relax, I mean, I run again, my relaxing is things that most people don't want to do. So like going for a run, um, you know, during depressive episodes, I like to binge movies, but I don't do that unless I'm depressed. Hmm. You seem sad. You seem sad to find out this information. No, no,
0: I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm taking it all in. Okay. Well, what about, so, cause you bring this up in the special, the um, you went to seven weddings in 2019. So you have to interact and you have to be social. You can't drink. So wh- how do you handle yourself at those kinds of events?
1: Um, I, if I know people, then I'm catching up with people and I'm, 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 I, the, I would like to think the only thing I'm good at is having a conversation. So, um, yeah. And then while everybody's drinking and dancing, I'm eating cake. Like you find, you find your grooves, you find mm-hmm. the things. I like, I like sugar. I'll hang out with you near any kind of sugar. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I do. I don't know how I get through the day. <laughs> no. Cause I've listened to a bunch of interviews.
0: You're always fun in interviews. I mean, it's, I think the problem is people don't sit down and want to have a real conversation. They just.
1: Yeah. And I can do that. I can have a funny conversation. I can have a thoughtful conversation. Um, I can, I can sit next to you and read a book. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I have cat like qualities, and I've just embraced that. So if you want to sit next to each other and ignore each other, or if you want me to like play with your hair, I'm super fun. <laughs> so is
0: that what happened with, cause I know you, uh, you talk about this in the special. I had a boyfriend in the pandemic and you guys broke up. Is that what? you just drove each other crazy because was he into the like drinking I don't if I was just
1: playing with his hair too much? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your question? Just what
0: ha so what happened with the, with the boyfriend? What was the, why do you think? Oh,
1: Well, I mean, it was it was our third breakup. So, you know, we had issues. And then um, I don't know, we're two people that traveled a lot and made time for each other when we were home. And then I think we spent a lot of time together and realized that I I think we didn't like each other. I don't know. (laughs) I I care about him. He was an important person in my life. But I think if I'm being really honest, I don't think he actually liked me. So, you know, Yeah, I was just like, and that's what I told him. I was like, I think you might not like me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, I think he loved it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he loved me. I think he cared about me and I care about him and I think he's a wonderful person. But at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like he actually wanted me around. And I kind of was like, I deserve to be around somebody that wants to be around me. Right. So I think, I think the pandemic fast forwarded something I would have realized in another year or two. Oh, gotcha.
0: Well, yeah. So talk about, um, cause you said that you went to therapy was it nine years. Are you still in therapy?
1: Technically I am. I don't go as consistently. I I almost lose use therapy as like a, like a, like a checkup. Like, um, okay. yeah. So, you know, when I first started like 10 years ago, I was at the beginning, I was going twice a week. I was like an absolute mess. And then I started going once a week. And then I would say, in the last five years I was going every two weeks and now I probably go once every two months. Um, maybe something really stressful is happening or something I can't seem to solve on my own. And I just need like another thought, but I, um, I mean, between she moved, so she's no longer in New York. So I think it's a different experience over the phone. Mm. Um, and so when she does come back into the city, which she does occasionally, I always see her in person, but then also I, I have 10 years of tools. Like now when I'm upset, I'm like, I think about her all the time. I'm like, Oh, four years ago, she said to do this. Maybe I should do that again. Or, you know, this, the reason I'm upset about this is because X, Y, and Z. And I'm probably, I'm not going to never not be upset about this, but I also know this doesn't affect my overall um, happiness. And I can, I need, I need to just let this go. So it's like, I also have like 10 years of tools the same way that if you went to school to become a doctor, You don't need to keep going to school. I mean, you take classes and you always have higher education to get better, but like you don't need to relearn a thing that, you know, every day. So I, I feel like she did a good job. There's a lot of stuff I worked through the first three to five years. And I, I'm just a, I'm a happier person and I'm a person that can take on the stress and the shittiness of life in a more, authentic way. I don't even know. Like, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not the same person I used to be where I would like fly off a handle every time things didn't go my way.
0: Don't you think some of that just comes with age too? I noticed for me, at least no. like, really, no. you don't
1: think so? Not in my family. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is a, it is a skill where somebody has to hold your hand the whole time because I see the difference in my siblings that don't go to therapy. My parents, oh, okay. like I, yeah, some of it might come with age, but I also think I don't think you just get wiser. I just don't think that's true. I think you have to actively be somebody that reads and 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 looks to grow. Yeah. There's so many people that fight growth and fight change and fight uh, self-reflection and self-awareness. And you might stumble into it. Maybe something bad happens to you or somebody says something that changes your mind. But most people, I actually don't think change unless they are forced to or are open to.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think, yeah, for me, like, I I, I don't go to therapy anymore, but um, I do a lot of, like, where I'll watch, like, YouTube videos or, like, podcasts or read books, and I learn so much that way. Like, I listen to this podcast called, I don't know if you've heard of The Mindset Mentor. That podcast is amazing. It's, like, changed my life. It's, like, 15-minute episodes, but they're amazing. He makes you think about things you're like, oh, I never thought about that. Like, probably things that are normal for probably most people, but if you didn't have that kind of background growing up, it's, like, you really learn from it.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's a great way to, um, stay like focused on it and stay sharp because I think we all can com- become complacent. And I think we all can kind of morph backwards and, and maybe not be the consistent best version of ourselves. and stress always throws everything off and everything right now is stressful. But, um, I think the same way that you move out of your parents' house because you don't need them to help you anymore. I think you can, move out of your therapist's house. Like, I think you can Mm -hmm. be like, I've learned enough, like not that I've learned enough and I'm done learning, but I've learned enough that I can do the rest of the learning on my own. Because I think about what my parents instilled and what I learned in school. And most of my bigger learning since then has been not in school and not via my parents. So it's just about your openness to continue to challenge yourself.
0: I love the, I don't hope I'm not spoiling this joke, but you (laughs) said, you said you have a PhD in yourself. I like,
1: that. yeah. And I think that's, okay. that's where, you know, I, I'm, I, I will never pretend I can fix anybody or help anybody else. I think we're all individuals with our own issues and histories and traumas and whatever, but don't you dare come at me and think, you know more about me than I do. I've paid real money. I've yeah. paid so much money to know everything that sucks about me. There is no, and that's, <laughs> that's my favorite when like somebody on a YouTube comment tries to hurt me. I was like, you cannot hurt me more than my therapist has. Like you cannot, like there's nothing you're going to say that I haven't already heard from somebody I give money to. Wait.
0: So the therapist hurts you. Cause I feel like I'm the opposite. I, I'm my own worst critic. That's why when somebody trolls me on a YouTube. I go, Okay. You don't know. I'm, I'm my worst critic. Like you can't, there's nothing that you can say that's worse than my own thoughts, but you're saying your therapist would point out things that you didn't
1: think. I agree with that. There's I, but I, as somebody that's kind of grown past shitting on myself and I don't want to live in that headspace um, more of the things that I learned that suck about me is from my therapist where she's like, Mm -hmm. well, that seems like something you did five years ago when X, Y, and Z happened. And I'd be like, all right, all right, all right, all right. (laughs) <laughs> like, I I know my therapist has, like, pissed me off. Like, when she, I'm mad at her, I know she's, like, hit a wound. Like, I'll be mad oh. at her for, like, three days, and I'll be like, oh, she might be on to something.
0: Wow. Your therapist sounds good.
1: She's amazing. Genuinely amazing.
0: Do you feel like um, – because that's something you say in your, uh, your special. You talk about customer service, and that's something that I've really put a focus on, not just – Uh, with like retail and things but I feel like everything like my doctor my dentist like I feel like a lot of things businesses that I interact with nowadays I feel like it just seems like nobody gives a shit and that's why I kind of disagree you said like oh Americans have such good customer service I'm like I feel like it's the opposite right now I'm noticing that it seems like nobody cares about their job anymore
1: um yeah I mean well keep in keep in mind even now our customer service is way better than it is in Europe. As somebody that's been to 35 countries, you don't, yeah, you don't even know they do not. You think waitresses don't care. People that attend, they do not care. So we put such a focus on customer service in America that even at our worst, which I agree, we are awful right now. Um, it's still better than Europe. Then the other thing that's happening that I have empathy for is There's a worker shortage and therefore the people that are working are being overloaded and treated like shit with no extra benefits or pay. So while I do complain, you know, about shitty customer service, I do have empathy and understands that the people that do show up for work are actually showing up to work for three people instead of one. And they have, so like even something like, um, things being delivered, you know, like FedEx, like I have like a new joke about being angry at like. UPS and FedEx, but like they have like this thing where they have to have, get so many things delivered in a day. So if they don't, Mm. they'll just lie and say something's delivered. And at first it pisses you off, but you're also like, I kind of understand when you can't be openly honest with an employee and they're treating you like you're a robot and there's a shortage or somebody didn't show up to work or like you know, when I was a waitress, like you can't just not show up to work. You have to get somebody to cover you. And if you can't get somebody to cover you, you still have to show up for work or you don't have a job. So it's on you to find your replacement, which is exhausting and unfair. And you're being paid garbage. So it's like every job has its own bullshit regulations that we don't know about. And I have empathy in that area. On top of the fact that nobody's getting paid what they should be being paid and, you know, look at the ones that aren't letting them unionize and stuff like that. So like, I I can look at shitty customer service and if it's a systemic problem, then you know it's the upper people that are being pieces of shit. But also sometimes someone's just having a bad day and you'd be surprised how you could be like, you can fix their bad day and fix what you're frustrated about just by meeting them at a human level. And I try to remember that 80% of the time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I try to. It just seems like it's not even like the, the the customer service type job. I mean, sometimes it's the management. Like I said, like I feel like, you, like I go see my doctor and it seems like he doesn't really care. You know what I mean? Like they just send you the the blood work now, like online. They don't call you and say, like, hey, we noticed like or a. Or th-
1: explain it. Like yeah. that's the craziest like, part. They say, like, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, my okay. are seem yeah. high. And they're like, yeah, they do is. seem high. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs>
0: it's just bizarre. I, have you ever been to Mexico though? Cause I feel like that they love, I mean, it's probably just cause we have money, but they love You go out like, into like a restaurant in Mexico. They, they treat you like gold. They're like, Oh, come on in senor, And they just, they love you. They, and that's like yeah. the total opposite. I love going to Mexico.
1: Oh, well the opposite would be Italy. You go to Italy oh, and you're really? like, Hey, can I get some water? And there'd be like, you could just leave. And you're like, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> <laughs> like, and i am i am a, I'm a hundred percent Italian. And I was like, these are the most beautiful shittiest people i have ever met ever met wow i
0: didn't hear yeah my yeah. brother was in italy for in the army for a while i'll have to ask him about that i didn't i didn't hear that part yeah. of it interesting
1: yeah just it, it was it actually was quite a bummer and it might be because we're tourists and maybe they're nicer to other people but i was like i and i loved it and i'll go back i just won't try not to talk to anybody but i was just like Whoa. um but yeah i think there's i you know i also have empathy as somebody that lives in new york city that like as a as somebody that lives somewhere and it's tourists everywhere, you're also just like, bleh, like,
0: yeah. Exhausting. No, I, yeah, that's, that's for sure. My favorite joke in your special. I'm probably the only one that thought this, I was laughing so hard. I didn't even think you paused for the audience to laugh, but I was laughing really hard when you talk about how your mom mailed you a sock.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: because that's such a mom thing to do. Like, I feel like that's one totally sock real. because she
1: thought it was mine. Yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> But she's. I think what makes me laugh the most about that is that, like, my mom is one of the smartest people I know. Like, my mom is so organized and so smart and just has her shit together. And then we'll do just things that you're like, what? What? Like, what? (laughs) Like, you didn't want to call first or send a picture or maybe ask me if I even cared about this sock? Like, it was just... But I think she just loves the post office. And what's funny is like, I was asking people in the audience for like a year, does anybody have like a parent or a grandparent like this? And you would get one, like every show you get like one person. It was never more than one or two. But now that it's online, I'm getting so many messages from people that's like, oh my God, my mom's the exact same way. And I was like, I knew it was a breed of person that just, they love the post, it's comfortable. Somebody said this to me and it made sense. Like the post office is comfortable. Like the, 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 the amount of it never really changes. Like it goes up a cent or two, but like, it's kind of weirdly affordable and it's a way to connect with people. And like you, you're, there's something weirdly comfortable about the post office, at least for like the older generation. And I'm hmm. kind that's kind of the thing I'm most excited about seeing with people watching it is how many people are like, Oh my God, my mom's the same way because it's just adorable to me. Like what a weird trait to just mail re- or like, I know friends were like, instead of texting you something, they'll just mail it to you. Like they'll read an article online, then they will print it and then they will mail it. Like (laughs) this old school shit that's just adorable.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I don't know if my parents still use the newspapers, but they were they were doing newspapers for like real physical newspapers for the longest time. And I kind of, I kind of like it in a way there's no pop-up ads. Like it's kind of yeah. nice if you sit down. Oh, you
1: don't have to accept any cookies. You're just like, I don't even know what that means. And I'm just <laughs> accepting it. I was like, are you taking, are you taking my social security number? <laughs> like I'm just <laughs> accepting cookies so I can find out like who's winning elections.
0: Yeah, no, I just think it's interesting. Um, Cause that just reminded me, my, my mom, like I, I picked them up. They flew into Arizona uh, a few months ago and I picked my parents up and my mom's unpacking her suitcase and she pulls out this like plastic bag and she starts taking out like, like a thing of lettuce. And I was like, mom, did you put that in your suitcase? Like they live in Seattle. So it's like a three hour flight. She's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't think you can put lettuce in a suitcase. I think it needs to be refrigerated. She's like, Ah, it'll be fine. Like, (laughs) I just feel like the older I'm getting, I'm becoming like the adult. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I was the kid and they were telling me not to do things. Now I'm telling them, no, you can't do that. Like, I'm the adult. It's weird.
1: Yeah, it, it very much so. And, like, it, but I also love the aspect that I can teach my parents stuff. Like, my mom, um, she, so she is a competitive power lifter and she yeah. wanted to, she had a trainer that was, she moved. So she had a trainer still back where she used to live and they would do, um, she would send videos of her weightlifting and he would give notes and stuff. So she sets up a camera of her weightlifting and then she wanted to put it on YouTube. And so she's like, I don't get the YouTubes. Can she she was like, How do I make a video? And I was like, Okay. And so I was just like, All right, we're gonna airdrop this to your computer. She's like, what's that mean? I was like, great. Let's okay. We're starting too fast. Like, you know what I mean? But then I show it to her. She writes it all down in her journal, which is exactly how I learn. when somebody teaches me something, I have to write it down. I'm never going to remember. She writes it in her journal and then she, she watches me do it. And she's like, can you watch me do it? I was like, absolutely. So then I watch my mom airdrop something. She's like, where does it go? And I was like, great question. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just nice to And then, and then like, she wanted a a separate Instagram account. She has like a regular one for her friends, but she wanted one for her powerlifting. She goes, how do I do that? And I was like, okay. And and she's like, I have three followers. I'm doing really well. I was like, you're doing great.
0: (laughs) That's so cute. So she has like a powerlifting YouTube channel and Instagram and.
1: Yeah. I don't know how many, I don't know how public her YouTube is. I think she just uses it for her trainer. And Uh, then her Instagram, what makes me laugh is she genuinely has three followers, but she has five kids. So there's just several kids not supporting (laughs) her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's cute. But she's, she's, I I like that. I like that aspect of it. Or, um, you know, my, my dad knows pretty much everything about everything. Same with my little brother. They're both just people that absorb information and like I literally could be like, what's that? And they'd be like, oh, in 1868, that was invented and da, 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 da. And you're like, why? Why? Why is that in your brain? <laughs> um, so even when I'm able to teach something to my dad, I feel good.
0: Yeah, no, that's really fun being able to teach your parents things. Um, last time you were on, we talked about like some of your TV stuff, like how you didn't, you almost got Letterman and that kind of stuff. But uh, tell me the story. I didn't know this story about how you you were on America's Got Talent, but they never aired it.
1: Yeah. It actually happens pretty frequently. And I knew that going in. So, so they say yes, like in, when you're taping it, they say yes to more people. And then from there they kind of edit it down, but they don't Mm -hmm. tell you that. I only knew that because I had several friends that had done it before, got further and then got cut. And I tried to warn my mom because my mom loved the show. She came to the taping. They really, they, you know, they interview your mom. They try to build it up. So they said, yes, I was supposed to go on. I taped something else. And then I didn't they and none of it ever aired. And I didn't go any further. And I told my mom, and she's like, I'm not watching this show anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sure the millions of view. I'm sure it's gonna affect <laughs> this show that has millions of viewers that you, Terry are not going to watch this. Um, but it's just it's actually um, oddly commonplace with these shows, because it's you're not just auditioning your talent. You're auditioning your story and mm. who they think you are because it's all about pulling heartstrings and sure. getting people. to So it's just like they didn't like my story or I didn't have a face they wanted, or they already have somebody that kind of looks like me. Or hmm. the, sadly, when it comes to comedy, it's like, well, we already have a female comic. We can't possibly have two of them. So you just don't, you don't know, but that's, it sucks and it's annoying and it's a waste of your time and you don't get paid, but well, you didn't we, get paid even. No, you don't get paid. You don't get paid. You do not. Also, you don't want to win these shows, by the way. Like the contract, like I got far enough that I read the contract. It's like a hundred pages. I read this contract and I'm a moron, but you, you don't, you don't want to win. You don't want to be in the top three. You don't even want to be in the top 10 maybe because they own you for years. Everything you could be doing this. I've, I've been doing this for 20 years. If I want America's got talent tomorrow, everything I make going forward for the next three years, they have ownership of, they have control of, and it's like, fuck you. Because what you gave me a little bit of an outlet. And sometimes those shows absolutely explode your career and it's worth it. But sometimes it stunts you. And now this thing that you don't even want to be a part of is in control of your career it has a benefit to get your name out there, but I would have wanted to be on there for two episodes. I would absolutely not want to be there and get very far on it. I just think it's, it's, it, it holds you back more than it, at least in what I want to do, which is sure. completely um, express myself authentically without being um, censored.
0: Yeah. And you, cause you've already built this brand. You have the books, you have the specials, you have a uh, uh, bits on serious rate. You're already bringing money. You've ma- turned it into a business. Is how you look at it? Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm able to talk about what I want to talk about when I want to talk about it. Like I, you know, I post, I post stuff on social media or whatever, but the thing with uh, TikTok is TikTok has become more censored than like late night TV. Like I can't tell you how many times I get muted or get my, yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And it wasn't like that in the beginning, but it's gotten so much worse. I got taken down for copyright issues. I own all my material. So I was like, So it wasn't somebody that they they go somebody alerted us. It's a robot, and I go your robot's dumb. I own all my material. I can prove I own all my material, and it's bullshit that I'm being censored. But you can't talk to a real person, or I got muted for uh, explicit stuff. I just said the word sex, by the way. I just said (laughs) the word sex in passing. So and it was it was already blowing up. It had twenty thousand views in like literally ten minutes, and I go hey. I just said the word sex, please check it again. They check it, they unmute it, but it's, it killed it. It never went past 20,000 views. So, so it's just like, it's so fun. And like, if I'm going to like support the Chinese government, I would like something in return. So it's like, you know what I mean? You're just like, if I'm going to sell my soul, I want, so it's like you, everything has its its risk factors and its benefits and you have to weigh it and play the game. I've had, I've posted stuff and nobody's seen it. I've posted stuff and it's the reason people come out to shows and I have a fan base and everything you do is a um, uh, exploration and a risk. But when it comes to TV, it's so much more frustrating than even what I was talking about because I've built comedically my, fan base off of being myself. And when TV needs to sell bounty, you know, commercials and, you know, shit for Tampax, all of a sudden, what I talk about has to be regulated. And I don't care about bounty and I'm not getting bounty ad money. So why do I have to watch what I'm saying? And that's where I feel somewhat grateful that I've been able to build, build a career without ever having to sacrifice who I really am.
0: No, that's super cool. And it reminds me because I was watching the George Carlin movie last night because I, I know that you were in it. So I started watching. And that was so good. It was the same thing. Like, he he was like wearing a suit when he started and he was all like playing by the rules. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he's like, grows a beard, grows his hair long. He's like, I'm just going to be myself. And uh, so did, well, did you just have that one line in the movie with the letter? Cause I haven't finished it, but. or it's a- Yeah. I read
1: a I read a little bit of fan mail and that's, yeah. and that's it for that. Me and a couple of comics did that. I also, um Netflix had a podcast series called the hall and they had different comedians that they put into this kind of comedic hall of fame. So it was like Joan Rivers and Robin Williams and George Carlin and Richard Pryor. And so in the podcast version of the hall, I was interviewed and have like five minutes on that. So, um, and then I just did uh, Kelly Carlin, George Carlin's daughter. I just did her serious XM show and that's been airing every Friday I think there's maybe one more airing. It's like every Friday for a month um, they've aired our interview together. Cause I did that a couple of weeks ago and she's wonderful.
0: Do you get paid for that? Cause I know you got paid for the, the comedy bits you do on Sirius, right? Didn't you say that paid your rent? Or- and,
1: oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Sirius XM I'm grateful for like that's you get royalty money every time your jokes are played. I have most podcasts and most interviews you're not paid for. Um, so I think, maybe two podcasts ever have given me money. Um, it's, you know, it's a promotional thing. and You know, a lot of podcasts don't make that much money. So I think in general, <laughs> I see that as a promotional thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, because it takes time, um, I've said in the beginning, I would say yes to most of them. And then over time, it's like, I got I to I do some work. I can't just keep talking about my work. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I saw you did Adam Carolla's show. That's a pretty big one that the other day. How was that?
1: It was good. Uh the booker saw me at the stand maybe like a month ago and was like, if you're ever in LA, I would like you to come on the show. And I was like, Okay, I'm there in two weeks. And she's wonderful. She's a, a funny comedian herself. And then um it was great. I mean, I know I don't think we see eye to eye politically. Um I That's don't ask,
0: yeah. But you know what I show. Him. Yeah.
1: Um, but I, and the girl before me was a porn star and it was kind of funny. The producer came out and was like, he will not be asking you the same questions. I was (laughs) like, I will not be having the same answers. Um, (laughs) but, um, what I didn't know is he's a big cat person. So I didn't know that either. Actually. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I was, I was really fortunate. He asked me about comedy and cats and that's all I know about. So it ended up being really good and really fun and I'm grateful for it. You know, whenever you do, anything that you're not completely in line with that person's fan base it's um you're going to get blowback but I think the truth of the matter is is I'm not trying to gain much from it I think I'm just trying to find a few people that already would like me and just ex- put myself out there to them, but I'm not trying to convert people that would have never liked me. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's cool. I like seeing different people that I think comedy is something that should and music too. I feel like those two things are things that bring, should bring people together. Yeah. I mean, unless yeah, it's full on like, uh, you know, I don't know. There's some weird comedians out there that are like far right or far left or whatever, then yeah, then it, maybe that's different, but
1: yeah. And I think, uh, as a female comic, there's people that just don't like you because you're a woman and you're, and then if they love comedy and they don't like women, you are a threat to like, why does she get to do this? Like, Hmm. so there's some stuff where like, it's, I can't, I can't fix your pain. And if you need to throw it back in my face by all means, but that's not my problem. So Hmm. there's just this aspect of, you know, sometimes people are like, well, people, you know, I don't want to post something because people are going to be mean to me. You're like, well, first of all, that's their problem. And second of all, they are, they were never going to be a fan of yours, regardless, whether you're a comedian or a friend at a party or whatever, they already don't like themselves. And you're a reflection of something for whatever reason that they don't like about them. And they were, you were never going to captivate them. So whenever I see somebody that's like, this is garbage, I'm like, okay, it wasn't for you. Then like, I didn't lose a fan. Mm -hmm. I just had somebody exposed to me that was never going to like me in the first place.
0: That's perfect. That sounds like somebody who's been through 10 years of therapy that you...
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just like, okay,
0: That's exactly, that's so wise. Um, I think last time we were on here, we discussed like, you know, we discussed your whole upbringing and how you paid your dues with the barking and all that stuff. Um, was there ever a point where you thought during that time when you were just grinding it out? I mean, no, you're still kind of grinding, but back in the early days before you were getting paid, did you ever feel like you, you should, that you thought of giving up and maybe trying something else? What kept um, you going?
1: I mean, I think because I love it so much that, and I knew from everything I've read and looked into that it took 10 years to find your voice and for people to know who you are. And I was fortunate that I had increments of success that kept me going. I, I started to get past at clubs when I was 19. So I started to make a little bit of money and have people uh, see what I do. I got auditions. I got managers. Um, uh, I was on TV at 22. Um, you know, I was doing the road in my 20s. So I think I had enough positive reinforcement incrementally throughout that kept me feeling like I was on the right path. It wasn't until about 10 years in where I felt I should be further. And I felt like I was stuck Mm -hmm. that I really started to question, not if I should be doing this because I always loved comedy, but the industry side of things really made me hate my life in a way that like most people are like, if you hate it so much, you should quit. And you're like, well, I I don't hate comedy. I just hate how my comedy is being judged or um, my lack of control. And that's what spun me completely doing my own thing. Like my anger towards the industry and my feeling like I'm not being valued is where is the reason I am where I am. I self not too long afterwards, I self-released my first album, which is the reason people know who I am. It's the reason I had my first viral video. It's the reason I became, you know, started to headline. It's the reason I produced another album. It's the reason I self-produced my first special. It's the reason I'm self-produced my next special. Like everything from deciding to not let the industry depict my value changed both my mindset and my value in myself as a person, but also my mindset, my value in, in me as a comic. And instead of waiting for the industry to pick me and decide I have value, I went and looked for the people that I already thought might like what I do. So that's why when I look at somebody not liking my comedy, I'm like, all right, well, all you are is an industry person, not in that position. So you're just a guy that doesn't like what I do. Luckily you don't work at Comedy Central. Like, you know what I mean? Like but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Everything I do now is just looking for the people that I think would like me. And then using that to continue to push my career to the next level and do the things that I want to do. And you can see that with people that are YouTube stars or Instagram influencers, whatever it is, I'm not trying to sell soap, but at the same time, I am trying to sell my comedy and, and my silliness and, whether that's a book, or you coming to see a live show, or you coming to just watching my special, which almost all my standup is free, so really all I'm asking you is to pay for the live version and to tell other people about it. Your richer friends, um, so <laughs> that I can make pay my rent. And I think that's the, my favorite part is when somebody like criticizes the quality of something, somebody would be like, Oh, the, the audio quality sucks. Or, you know, I've seen this bit before and you want to be like, bitch, you paid for nothing. You have paid for, you cannot complain about something you have never paid for. That is insane. It's like getting a free hotel room and being like right. the service wasn't good, but you didn't pay for it. <laughs> so that's yeah. also the luxury of where I am, which is I'm making money in different facets that when somebody is doesn't like my comedy, somebody doesn't like something to their liking, I go, you have contributed nothing to the foundation of my career. I owe you nothing back and it's freeing.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So, I mean, you have all these facets, you have the serious and then you have your cat book. And you have the live shows and then do you, I mean, you have a lot of YouTube subscribers, so I'm assuming you make some money off YouTube too then, right?
1: I do. Yeah. So you put ads on your stuff and I make some money from that. So that's pretty um, consistent. And I would say like, I would, how I make money is 50% the road and 50% royalties, whether it's Sirius XM or people buying my album or YouTube stuff. Um, And that's where my um, financial, uh growth and uh, stability came from because it used to be a 100% the road and it's oh, unsustainable.
0: Okay. Because
1: if you don't work you're not making money and think about luckily I was able to financially stay myself before the pandemic because if I was where I was 5 years ago, 6 years ago and then the pandemic happened I would be screwed. So and not okay. And that didn't happen. So luckily I was still making money from Sirius, I was still making money from YouTube um and things took off during YouTube because of specials and stuff that, that the fact that I make 50% of my income, not ever even leaving the house is why I can uh, be an adult. Like I was not uh, physically or mentally. Okay. When all my money was coming just from stand up. it's just not sustainable. Maybe if I was Jim Gaffigan and I'm making, you know, mm-hmm. who knows how much money per theater gig, but that's not where I am. I'm still a working comedian and I, I, I do okay, but I, it's, it's still cobbling things together.
0: Mm -hmm. No. So when you, when you meet people for the first time, do you tell them you're a comedian or do you make up a story of something else? Cause you're sick of the same questions and stories you have to tell.
1: I won't tell people unless they ask. So if you ask, I'll tell you, I'm I'm a comedian, whether that's the woman like threading my eyebrows or somebody I meet at a party. I mean, friends just, it's the, like, this is Liz. She's a comedian. Like, you're just like, no. Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're like, okay. um, But I, I won't lie to anybody. I did online dating for a little bit and I didn't post any pictures of me on stage. And I said I was a writer because I'm very Googleable and I didn't want dudes to get to know stage Liz before human Liz. And I think Mm -hmm. while my stage persona is very much a part of me It's not a hundred percent who I am. And I, that's not how I want somebody I'm dating to get to know me. Um, so I, I shielded that in that aspect, but I don't lie to anybody, but like, so like if I am in a situation where somebody is just like, like getting my eyebrows threaded. So I'll go at two in the afternoon. What
0: is eyebrow threading? I don't know what that is. You
1: know, eyebrow waxing. Oh yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. So threading is they take a thread and it's almost like they pluck. Okay, but they're do it with a thread. It's called threading. Okay, it's just more efficient. I mean I haven't done in a while So my eyebrows look like shit, but i'm telling you next week they'll look gorgeous and you'll be like tell me your ways So
0: (laughs) I think your eyebrows look fine. I think I thought like, uh, the thicker eyebrows were in
1: No, they're fine. This is the shape is fine But if this is what 1080 if you go 4k into these eyebrows, it's just chaos (laughs) Um, you can't you can't see you can't see what the issues are. Okay regardless, um um, I go to get my eyebrows threaded. It's 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and they'll be like, oh, are you off from work? And I'll be like, uh, I work at night. So that's what I say more often is I work at night. And if they assume I'm a waitress or a prostitute, <laughs> not my business. <laughs> say, they might think you're a prostitute. <laughs> I don't care. That's not my problem. OK, Um, you know, I don't I don't. There's people that find out I'm a comedian and it makes their day. Like I was in a, I was in a cab, I was in a Uber, um, in LA and it made this guy's day. He was so excited. He couldn't wait to watch my specials. He's like, it's an honor to have you. I was like, you don't even know if I'm good or famous or whatever. (laughs) He was so nice and so sweet. And, um, and then some people find out and it's just like, you're somebody that doesn't have a job. Like you're just somebody not contributing to society and they're not wrong either. So it's just like, I don't, well, you
0: contribute. You make people laugh. That's the most important thing in the world.
1: Yeah, if that's something you value. But this, you've have you ever met somebody that doesn't like music? Yeah, pretty rare. But yeah, I guess so. I've met them. They're weird. They're, <laughs> you're just a little bit like yeah. I don't even care if you don't like popular. If you just like jazz or somebody that yeah. snaps, like. But to say you don't like music is crazy. So it's the same way I feel about humor, where they're just like, well, you know, I don't really like comedies, and you're like, what? Yeah. What like? What? Even somebody that watches like serial killer shows all the time still likes comedy. Like, that's crazy. So I think I would say about 70 to 80 percent of the time people are just excited. But also, I I don't want to do a podcast every time I have a conversation with somebody. So it's not always I don't lead with it because the questions are all the same as opposed to if I have an authentic conversation with somebody, and then at the end they go, what do you do? And I'm making them laugh the whole time. And that's actually hmm. the best where they don't understand why I'm so funny. That's the best. So we have this authentic conversation. I'm making jokes, we're laughing. And then they might be like, oh, what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a comic. And then you just like kind of fade into the night and they <laughs> and they, they never knew what happened to them. Um, Yeah, that's to me, that's more enjoyable than somebody asking me at a party, like, What do you do? Oh, you do comedy? Who's your favorite comedian? What do you feel like is your influence? Do you make good money with that? You're just like, I can't, I can't do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you mentioned the dating apps. I want to ask you about that because I I feel like I missed out. I've been in a relationship for the last, like, I don't know, 11 years or something. No. I, I, we missed out on the dating app. So no. tell me what that's like. Is it, it seems so no. superficial that you look at a picture and you just say yes or no, based on the first picture. I mean, I would suck at that. I, I would be nobody, everyone would swipe their other way for me. I, it's like, well, that's really stressful.
1: You didn't miss out. It's stupid. Um, I think it's an inauthentic way of meeting somebody. I think I don't like who I am on them. Um, in the sense of how I'm judging other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like the way that I get judged back. I think sure. it's, I, when you think about the people you've connected with, whether it's friends or, or, or people you've dated, there has to be some level of attraction when you meet somebody that you want to sure. date. That's just a part of it. But the way somebody smiles when you say something is very different than just seeing someone smile. Does that make sense? No, absolutely.
0: In person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And how somebody reacts to you and the calmness that you feel in someone's presence um, uh, the excitement about hearing them talk or how they talk. Like there's so many uh, things that you pick up on both, uh, consciously and subconsciously when you meet somebody, because how often, like I, I, my best friend I met in a bathroom when I was 10 years old, literally, we didn't even have a class together. I was in the bathroom she said something, she made me laugh. I thought this girl was so funny. And then serendipitously, she lived next to a girl. I went to school like that. I was in a class with in the fourth grade. And I went to her sleepover and she was at the sleepover because they were neighbors. And we played the whole night with like GAC and just like stupidness. I invited her to my sleepover um, for my birthday, like a month later. And then again, serendipitously, we had class together. We had um, all our classes together in the fifth grade and the sixth grade. And then she moved away and I moved away in seventh grade. We've been friends ever since. She has two kids. I just spent a week with her. I see her every year. She can't, We usually see each other like twice a year because we both travel for a living. And it's crazy to meet somebody when you're 10 and still be having the best time in your late 30s. But there's, there's this thing. And, and the reason I bring up a 10-year-old friendship or like a 10-year-old meeting each other is it's not much different as an adult somebody says something and it makes you laugh or somebody kind of brings something up and you're like, Oh, that's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. It's this kind of impulsive connection and that impulsivity does it have toxicity in it. Absolutely. Because that's how people have repeated patterns of, uh, you know, bad relationships, but there's also this two people seeing the authentic selves and letting them blossom together. And I think anyway,
0: so, yeah, so we were uh, talking about, um, Authentic selves and uh I just thought like I feel like the the dating apps they kind of take out the uh what do you call it like the meat cute, the cute meat, whatever it's called? Like cause you grew up on the Sandra Bullock films, like don't you want yeah. a story like that for your husband, your future husband or something rather than well, we so met I mean, on Bumble?
1: people have bad stories even without the internet. So I I mean that I had an original joke years ago about wanting like they now call them meat cutes, but having the story. Um yeah, I think everybody wants the story, but I, forget the story. I mean, I think there's people, I know I'm in, I'm in the house of somebody that met somebody on Bumble. So, you know what I mean? And she has a husband and a kid. So like mm-hmm. there are people you can meet people that way. And I know several friends that have had success stories that way. I, I think between murder and fear of murder and um, not having the way you dismiss people being unhealthy or the way that you are connected with people being unhealthy. I think those are the two biggest things I would say murder and not meeting somebody that you potentially probably would have liked if you actually had a conversation with them. Cause the amount of people I'm like, your dog's ugly. No, no. <laughs> like, you, know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, I had one guy, he, he genuinely made me laugh. It, his description said, not my dog. And then it was like a regular picture of him, a regular picture of him, a regular picture of him, and then him holding a dog. And then people will often like blur out or like put an emoji over a kid's face or somebody else's face. And it was literally him holding a dog with an emoji over it so that people didn't think it was his dog. You know what I mean? Like this dog didn't give him permission to be on his dating. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard, but like, I wasn't like, I I wasn't interested, but I so wanted to just match with him to be like, well done. Just well done. <laughs> like it just made right? me laugh so hard. But I just, I don't, it bummed me out. It made me sad. I didn't like the way I was judging people. And I went off it. I, I'd rather be alone than waste my time on some app that is mostly going to make me feel like not a great person.
0: Hmm. So you're totally off all the dating apps.
1: I, all of them. I was never on them very long, by the way, I was on bumble for three weeks and I was on hinge for three days. And I was like, this wow. sucks.
0: Oh, that's it okay wow hmm. so you're are you open to meeting someone or you're just not looking to meet somebody
1: i'm open to meeting somebody but other than showering and leaving the house i'm doing absolutely nothing about it <laughs>
0: okay all right um we, well we got to talk about cats if i'm going to have you on here so my condolences I, i'm sorry pasta passed away but i heard you say also you had a kitten pass away
1: it it, it was shitty so yeah, Pasta died. She had cancer for the second time and she died um, about a year from today. And then um, I got a kitten named Tater Tots. I got him in December. Well, that's such a good name. That's a good name. And then somebody's just like, well, name the next one that. I was like, well, that's disrespectful. Um, so Tater Tots... Um, he was the runt. they found him in a storm drain in New Jersey and he was a runt. and they basically were like, he needs to fatten up so that we can neuter him. He like was not, he could not get over two pounds. So I'm like feet. And he was a good eater. So like looking back, I'm, I'm like, Oh, this, and like, he was low energy, but he was, he was just a good cat. And then of course he stopped eating and he started sleeping more. And I was like, and my parents are vets. So I was like, mom, I was like, he doesn't seem sick, but like, this is weird behavior. And then very quickly, he got diagnosed with FIP, which is actually technically the Corona, like the COVID of cats. It's not it doesn't come out the same. It's been around before the COVID that we have, but it's 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 terminal in cats. Mm. And if he was older, he might have been able to live with it. But he was so tiny and he was so young and he had such a weak immune system that within three days he died and it was Awful. I have him in a little. I have him in like a little like sugar cup. His like his ashes, and there's still room in it because he was so tiny. Heartbreaking. Just.
0: God. Yeah. I I can't imagine. I had a cat pass away, but a kitten that would be way harder. I feel like. Oh
1: God. Just like what is that poetry? Um. It's uh. New shoe. Uh. Kids' shoes never worn. For sale. Like, do you know that? Like, and it speaks volumes. It's like it's like one of these things where like just one sentence. Um is a, a full story. And it's like, uh, children's shoes for sale, for sale, never worn. And it's just like, ugh. you're just like, ugh. um, yeah. so yeah, so he died, was a mess about it. He was such a good cat and such a sweet cat. And then, um, and I had him a month and then I got revenge abs cause you know, you go from sweet name to ridiculous name. Yeah. So revenge abs, I got two months ago. Um, three months ago. I don't know. He's almost six months and he's huge now. Like it's almost crazy. He was as tiny as tater tots, but he grew like, I just I don't, you know, especially since I haven't had a kitten in 16 years, it was like, Oh, so he's, um, he's six months. He's nuts. He's not, I'm in my friend's office. He's not allowed in here. Cause he would have knocked everything over. Um, I woke up at 3am him bouncing off my head. He's just full <laughs> kitten energy. Insane wow
0: so I gotta ask you a question then because I got a new cat I mean it's a couple of years old but my cat loves
1: water like he, he he's fine I've never okay. had a water cat before yeah this is
0: weird they they puts his head under the uh the, the bathtub faucet and he gets it all over his paws and then he comes and lays on me and he's soaking wet he doesn't try to shake it off or I don't know ha-
1: this is my first water cat loves sleeping in sinks loves like like watching me shower loves getting in the shower um uh if like plays with like, I have like a little fountain plays with the fountain. I cannot tell you how, how many times I pick them up and I'm like, why are you wet? Why? Uh, and it doesn't, I thought cats hated water. Um. So I I just call it a water cat. I think there's just some cats that are so fast. I also call them science cats. Like they just love, like, they're like, what is this? Like, this is so crazy. And they're just fascinated by it. So I think, cause there's all those like imagery of like tigers, like bathing and like playing in water. Like, I think there's just some cats that like it. Um. But it's under their control, by the way, because if you try to bathe them, they're still like, go fuck yourself. But like if they decide to go in the water, they're just like, this is I decided to take a bath and this is what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I'm still exploring this because I've never I've never had a water cap before. It's yeah, so weird.
0: It is really weird. It's, exci- it's kind of exciting, though. Does it smell yeah. weird, too? Though? Sometimes it, it smells like kind of moldy, almost like would they just have the water on their fur? It's kind of a weird smell.
1: Um, most cats, he doesn't ever try to lick it dry. Like most yeah. cats I know, like at the very least when they're wet, they like, they lick it dry, which is kind of a weird oxymoron.
0: Right. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, now you still do your podcast to non-doctors. I was going to ask you about um, the guests though. Cause like I heard another comedian say that there's so many, po- every comedian has a podcast now. So like asking other comedians to do your podcast is kind of like the new, like asking your friend to help you move. Is it awkward to ask comedians to do your show?
1: Well, we only are, we're only asking for 15 minutes and Mm. we just ask one question. We we literally go, how are you? What did you Google this week? Do you want to plug anything? So it's kind of not that big of an ask for us because Mm. we keep it so um, short and, and it's like very quick and silly. So they tell us what we Google, we make fun of them then they tell us they tell people to go watch their special or whatever. And they're out. And we've had a mix of both comedians. We've had runners, we've had writers. Um, we've had health people because it's a health podcast. So, um,
0: Yeah, Ben folds. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. So Maria's friends with Ben folds. He's a big fan of her comedy and he was oh. great. And, um, so we've just had anybody that we thought would have like an interesting Google and be down to, to hang out with us.
0: Okay, cool. So we got the, um, the podcast, the specials out now. Uh your stand updates are on your website. Uh what else are you working I heard you talked something about an app that you were gonna make for traveling and for comedians, or what was that?
1: Yeah, so I have it. It's called Lizard Mail, L I Z R D M A I L, And it's basically an app that helps onboard fans onto your mailing list. So I use it, about 30 other comics use it. And basically, if you go to see me live. I'll tell you, I'll put these little cards on the table and I go, Hey, if you text cats to 206, 5422 four, two, two, you'll get a text that asks for your email. You'll get a text that asks for your zip code. And then you'll get a thank you message. And then I'm never going to text you again. All that's going to happen is the next time I'm in your city, you'll get an email that's like, Hey, I'm here. Come see me. Um, so, uh, it basically, uh, takes that email takes that zip code puts it in a csv file and then if you're on mailchimp it puts you r- puts it right into your mailchimp and if you're not on mailchimp you can just take that csv file and upload it wherever you want to and so that way like you said you're in arizona right mm-hmm. are you too far are you near phoenix or
0: yeah uh, south scottsdale
1: oh i don't know where that i don't know anything about arizona <laughs> <for being honest.
0: laughs> have you ever um, been here Is this gonna be no. the first time you come i think so oh that's exciting
1: Yeah. So like if you were on my mailing list and you were within 75 miles of the zip code of that club, you would get an email that says like, Hey, I'm coming in a month. Come see me. Um, So that's pretty much how I do it that way that you're not getting emails about New York city, or you're not getting emails. Like the only time I email everybody is when I have a special, but after that, everybody gets one or two emails a year. That's like, Hey, I'm coming to your city. Come see me.
0: Oh, that's perfect. I love it. That's awesome. And then um, anything else? Did you write a script or something to hear something about that?
1: I am. i I'm, I'm, I finished it and then I, I got picked up by a production company and I got a bunch of notes. So now I'm rewriting it. So I, you're always doing something. Um, we'll see what happens with it. Um, it's my baby. I wrote it during the pandemic. Um, and it's incredibly important to me, but this business is this business and we'll see what happens.
0: It's a movie or TV show or short or what is it?
1: it? It's an hour long dramedy.
0: Dramedy. Okay. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I hope it happens. I mean, yeah, you just might have to put it out yourself just like you did with the specials.
1: I, I hope not. It's so much work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, hopefully somebody will, I mean, you could recruit some, uh, film students or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll
0: let you get going. Um, last thing I always end with a, a charity last time you promoted the Jed foundation, Dyslexia advantage and the hope program. You want to promote those three again? Um, or another one.
1: I mean, I would like to help. I just don't know. I'm, I was looking up charities for, um, helping people in the drought for Pakistan or not the drought, the uh, flooding for Pakistan, but oh, I, I saw
0: that. That was crazy. Yeah.
1: But I wasn't able to, like, I was literally, tra- cause I, I want to do checks and balances before I just, you know, you want to make sure it actually goes to the people. Right. Um, yeah, let's just do those three because I, I didn't do my research and I apologize.
0: No, I probably forgot to remind you. I just assumed it'd be the same, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, you can, you can have, they're all, all of them are great charities.
0: Okay, I'll look for a Pakistan thing if I, maybe I can find yeah. it.
1: If no, not, I appreciate uh, it.
0: At least we're, we're mentioning it so people are aware and they can know. Uh, yeah, no, it's you know. really
1: bad I mean, Yeah, it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, well, thank you so much for doing this. Again, the special is called Ghost of Academic Failure, Future, uh, Ghost of Future. Academic <laughs> Future. So great stuff hilarious. My girlfriend laughed a lot too. So funny stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Liz Mealy again, check out that special on YouTube. She has some other specials on there as well. Some short clips and more. And she also has her podcast to non-doctors, her book, why cats are assholes. And uh, more fun stuff is on her website or follow her on social media. Same goes for me. We have all the website links in the show notes. And make sure to subscribe to this show wherever you listen so you'll be notified of future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day and remember to shoot for the moon.